Welcome back from uh, semifinals. This is the field of 12 uh, after dark slash early morning college football show. George Whitfield joined by three super talented college football quarterbacks from We Are Penn State, Christian Hackenberg, the mayor of Baylor University, Bryce Petty, and the Sooner and Aggie prodigal son, Trevor Knight. Uh, fellas, we, we got here. We got here. We, we started the season. We talked about the five families. Two of the five families have now made it to Indianapolis, and it was one and two, pretty much one and two all season. Conference mates, Alabama and Georgia. Let's start with the Bama game. Uh, Hack, we'll go to you. What was, the, what was the most impressive thing or disappointing thing that you saw uh, in this matchup with Cincinnati? Um, I love the way Alabama ran the football. Um, I think just knowing knowing Coach O'Brien and some of his thought processes, uh, I know that they had success running the football throughout the year, but I think to do it to the level that they did last night, I don't know if they've done that all year. Um, and that's something that I think is going to be really big for Bryce heading into this heading into this game next week because it is tough to beat an opponent twice in the same year. And to put it all on Bryce's shoulders, kind of how he shouldered it in the SEC championship game is going to be tough. So for him, I think it was a huge confidence boost going into this game. Tough opponent, team that got back on track defensively in Georgia um, to hopefully be able to establish the run game like that again and, and, and work off that and give him some opportunities. So I think that that's one of the things that really impressed me. I mean, I kind of expected Alabama to come out and do it, but I, I will say this. I think Cincinnati kept it close longer than I thought they were. Um, but ultimately, uh, the best team won, in my opinion. Bryce, you, you've been with uh, uh, It's a We Thing Cincinnati all year. You were the first one <laughs> to come out with uh, that 50-foot banner. What, like, what was the breaking point for them? Because Hack's right. It was 10-3 with some change left in the first half. They already went toe-to-toe with the monster, mouthpiece still in. Like, where did it start to get away from him? And and what happened with Ritter? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I look, I think it, it should have been uh, 10-7. You know, they, they went right down the field on the first drive, and, and Alex Pierce pieced that dude up on, on the outside and had a touchdown. Um, I just think, you know, defensively you could tell what – um, from a strategy and, and a point of emphasis was for that de- that defensive unit to if, look if you don't get to Ritter get your hands up uh, they had six or seven batted balls down and, and yep. for us especially talking on this on on this podcast I'll be accused man that's that's just momentum killers I mean when you can hit a five yard out because it gets batted down uh, or a stick route or, or you know like I said a big touchdown play that's from a, how tall is Ritter six three six four right yeah, uh, yeah. Probably. He's, he's got to be that, right? Yeah. At we six, up at three, the or four in the ball, it sits here coming out of his hand. Six bat down. It might have been even more than that. Half of them probably were lateral. You what? And, that's, and that was the thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably was more than six. So that's just tough, man. It's, it's tough to get momentum going. Uh, they really never got Jerome Ford going, which is kind of what, you know, Trevor and I were talking about, too, even in our podcast, was, was it, he has to get going. The run game has to get going. And he, and he had a few, you know, in the second half pop-offs. But, um, you know, overall, you know, to, to Hack's point, I think they just played really well. And, and, and it just really stifled Cincinnati from getting anything going uh, to where, you're, you know, you're behind on first down, you're behind on second down. It's just hard to get that defense to, to, to make plays on, on third and long. Trevor, that they had struggles with third and long, struggles in the red zone, and struggles trying to stop the run. Two part question, just the same as the other the other two. Most impressive or disappointing part of that game, and is this a signal in an indirect way to the rest of the group of five? Your very best representative over the last five or ten years came up against one of the five families, and it it that's how it played out. Yes, competitive in the first half over the duration of the game. It just it just looked like, you know, a, a kind of a predictable type of outcome. Yeah, you know, George, I, I think what we saw is no different than any other take away from what 
Cincinnati did. Cincinnati came in, they were competitive, they weren't competitive enough, but from the get-go, you saw a team in Alabama that, to Hack's point, they ran the ball 10 straight times and then had a little pass to score on their first touchdown. They established their dominance from the very first snap. I agree with Trevor. They established the dominance on their very first snap. Go ahead, Trevor. I got you. Just finishing your line for you. Yeah, they they it's from the very first kept it going. It's in over two hundred yards, eight yards of carry. I mean, just big boy football versus little football. But you look at the history of these semifinal games, and you know this is the margin of victory over the the winning team. So hmm. you can't necessarily take everything away from Cincinnati. You just got to give a lot more props to Alabama for coming out and asserting their dominance. It really is true. Like we talk about the five families, and we played a bunch. I always play a bunch and call it Alabama the Roman Army because they have very few vulnerabilities and just. In wartime, historically, the Roman armies had some of the best generals in history. They don't make mistakes. They don't hurt themselves. And they, they, they are always like just charging and mowing down uh, the opponents. It's the same with this. In-game adjustments, uh, singular, singular effort by players. Uh, Hack, you were talking about those guys up front. Look at the edge rushers. Uh, with with the ends like they they never got sealed in Cincinnati never really had a go-to and it was just constantly go to the bag go to the bag go to the bag for the Bearcats and it's I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like trying to call plays and trying to establish a rhythm getting out of third down trying to figure out how you're going to stay on the field a little bit to get the pressure off your defense like that was uh that was overwhelming. Are are they the favorite? We're going to go into to the other uh, matchup here. Are they the favorite? Vegas has them a slight underdog, but what do we think about the Roman Army here? Heck, yeah, I, <clears throat> it's hard. I think you know when you look at the course of the the course of the year. I, th- I still think that Georgia's been the most consistent football team. I was I was really interested to see how they were going to answer the bell, and obviously we'll get into that like you hinted at just then. But I still think Georgia's been a very, very consistent team. Um, I think Alabama has still had some ebbs and flows throughout the year that scare me a little bit. But I, like I said, I think it's really hard to beat a team twice in the same season. I keep going back to that. I think that's something that's very tough to do. Um and unlike unlike Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, uh, I think Kirby is a little bit more familiar with the stage that he's stepping into as well. Um, having having been with Saban, knows how he's going to handle business. So there's going to be a little bit of uh, like mindedness, I think, coming into preparation for this game and and focus from a team standpoint and messaging. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I just expect it to be a really good football game. I don't think it's going to be a rematch of the SEC championship game. I don't think it's going to be a runaway one way or the other. Um, these teams are going to be really prepared. Um, they both won the way I think they both wanted to. And, and, and I think it's going to be a clash of the Titans, kind of how we've, how we've talked about throughout the year. And personally, you know, just going to keep, keep riding that Georgia wave like I have all year and said that they're going to win the whole damn thing. So might as well go dogs, you know what I mean? Trev, Bryce, uh, are you guys lining your money up with hacks or do you see the Roman army right now as just the untouchables? I'll go Bryce. Yeah, I, I think that it's uh, it's an interesting kind of uh, precursor to this game because of what we saw in the SEC title game. To Hack's point, Georgia was the White Walkers, as we've called them on here. They're going up against the Roman army. I know I predicted, we might have all predicted that Georgia was going to win that SEC title game. Obviously, it turned out differently. Now you've got this rematch. That is the biggest thing to me, though. Beating a team twice, especially this caliber of team, is incredibly hard to do. It can be done, but I just see a Georgia team that just came out and had a really good game plan against Michigan. I thought they'd and especially on the offensive side of the ball that made them look elite against a 
good Michigan football team. So they're going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to mistakes, especially in that coaching staff room, implement, implement that into their guys. Uh, those guys will have as much confidence as anybody going to Indy and I'm with hack. I'm, I'm rolling. Brace. Dogs on top. Dogs on top. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can say anything else, man. It's just they're, 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 they're rolling right now. They, they stopped, and, they, and that's something about this game, too, is they, they stopped a, a heavy snowball, downhill snowball in Michigan. I mean, I, they had a yeah. lot of momentum coming into this game that, that I think was kind of unspoken. They just kind of went about their business and did what they needed to do. And, you know, Dan Lanning had these guys absolutely 100% better prepared for this game. Um, there, there was more passion on the field. On, even on the defensive unit, on the offensive side, I mean, they gave up some, some interesting plays from the Michigan defense um, that kind of let them run away with it. But this was just a better coach team. And I think that knowing that the SEC championship had a lot of more, a lot more expo- explosive plays for Alabama, I don't think Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning are going to let, let that happen again. And so I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be Georgia running away with it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So let's, uh, we're, we're going to swing around on that that Georgia Michigan heavyweight matchup first. Um, let's get to our traditions. Normally, we kick it off, but we wanted to get that Roman Army game out of the way first. We do a toast uh, to our favorite thing of the football weekend. Or Bryce, we also do a was it a toss. A toss. Yeah, so if, a toss. If, if he didn't like it, or if you didn't like something, we throw it out. But thank you for joining us here on uh, the Field of 12 uh, College Football Show. Just a heads up, we're going to be at Ellison Brewing Company in Indianapolis, January 9th and 10th. We hope you guys come down and join us. We'll be down there for the national championship game. Roman Army versus the White Walkers, as Trevor alluded to. Um, But let's go to our toast. Trevor, I'm going to go with you first. Your favorite thing from from yesterday in in these two heavyweight matchups. Yeah, I'll reiterate my point with the run game. Brian Robinson Jr., he got my toast, man. 204 yards on 26 carries, 7.8 yards a rush. Uh, just dominant. Whenever they needed the ball off, the dude was getting them not just a couple yards to put them in position on second and third down, but chunk yardage. Uh, he was a man amongst boys. So cheers to Brian Robinson Jr. Hey. Got that Celsius rolling this morning too. Uh, I drink. I drink a little bit of mm-hmm. coffee. Uh, Hack, let's 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 go up to you in Jersey. Your your toast of the morning. Yeah, so I, I'm going to go to the uh, to the Georgia Michigan game um, unit that I mentioned in my podcast with JP this week. Who I was very interested to see how they were going to show up and play, especially after the SEC championship game, because of how dominant they had been throughout the year, and they were pretty non-existent during that game against Alabama a few weeks ago um, is the Georgia defensive front. Uh, I think it's been a unit that we've talked about and been a very integral part of that defense throughout the whole year. Um, they were not there in, uh, in the SEC championship game. And last night they showed up uh, four sacks, created chaos constantly in the pocket for whoever was pulling the trigger for Michigan. Um, and I think that those guys are going to play a, a huge role in the game next week. Uh, so I'm giving them a little kudos and also kind of prefacing that I hope that they keep up what they've been doing because I think it's going to be massive to to get Bryce Young uncomfortable throughout the game and and hopefully limit some of those explosives. So Georgia defensive front, here's to you guys. Hey, that's probably the most toasted unit all season, the White Walkers. Uh, Bryce Petty, sir. Yeah, I, I, I actually love that that toast tack. I was going to do that, but I think last second changed my mind and, and kind of keeping it again with the, the crew on this podcast. As a, as a quarterback leading your team um, to an undefeated regular season and then getting an SEC championship game, mm-hmm. um, you know, Setson Bennett coming out with a lot of noise that I think is unwarranted mm-hmm. for what he's mm-hmm. been able to do. So for him to come out and play a complete game like he did, three touchdowns over 300 yards, toast to you, kiddo. Uh, hey. Go do it one more time and write your name in the history books. No question. And if I can add on that, had a lot of nice plays with his feet. Yeah, Got out of some jams. 
even if he didn't take the ball downfield, got out of some jams, like stole a couple first downs. Um, yeah, I'm I'm cheering for him. And you know what? They announced an award I didn't even know we had in college football, and he <laughs> the won best it. Walk on. <laughs> yeah, the the award for best walk on or best college football player to start his career as a walk on. Stetson Bennett won that last night, too. Mm-hmm. I hope you keep mm-hmm. winning, sir. Good luck to you. Lastly, um, before I, I, I roll mine out, we want to give uh, a toast to the Godfather. We've done it all season long. Um, just, I mean, just the, the face and voice of college football, just the spirit of it. Coach Corso, Lee Corso, um, we're excited, sir. Hope we get a chance to see you at the national championship game. Coach. Mine uh, is prefaced by honestly saying, and and this is four quarterbacks sitting on here, the stars of this final four, the the majority of them are on defense. Like Michigan's two best players, defensive players. Uh, Look what what Alabama, Cincinnati's two of their three best players were the corners, Ritter and then the linebacker. And then the White Walkers, whole unit, I, I thought should have been in New York. My toast is going to Alabama's Will Anderson. I, I just think he is the heart, soul, brain battery of that team. And when you listen to him talk, when, he, when he's talking about execution and, you know, just telling the guys that they had to lock down, we had to lock down Cincinnati, we knew that they, we, they couldn't give him any breath give him no air. And he was saying midway through the second quarter, that's it. Put a flag in the ground. That's all we're giving them. And that's pretty much it. They had three in the second quarter, six for the game. And he, he had like 31 tackles for loss, which is the most since they started keeping track of that in, in the year 2000. So I'm excited to see him lead the Roman army. Will Anderson, sir, quarterbacks to a defensive player. Toast to you, sir. Let's roll over here now to the other heavyweight matchup um, uh, with Michigan and Georgia. Another kind of surprising, competitive to a point, but like it, like I was shocked. I had the winner wrong, first of all, and I thought it was going to go at least all 12 rounds. It didn't. Hack, we'll start with you going into Big Ten country. This was the first Big Ten team to lose. Uh, this bowl season, the Big Ten's like four and one or five and one. But Michigan ran into the White Walkers, literally, and they went with purpose. No gadget plays. They tried to run right into the teeth of them, uh, but they struggled. Got out game 518 to 325. What was your biggest, uh, you know, observation watching yeah. the Big Ten's best versus the SEC's best? I was a little disappointed. Um in Michigan's overall performance, I thought that they were going to come out and, and with the amount of time they had to prepare, have, have a few more answers than they did. Um, But ultimately I I just don't even think this game was really that close, even from the jump, George. I mean, Georgia came out. They, the one thing that we talked about, Bryce, you, you hinted at it too, was the amount of momentum Michigan had coming into this game. Um, And then, Conversely, I think Georgia also had some momentum, but it was kind of from the opposite side of the spectrum in the negative world and self-doubt world. And everybody now, you know, you you go from basically holding the number one spot for the latter half of the football season, you lose a game against a team that's you're going to play again in the national championship game and you drop all the way to three. Um, I think Georgia played with more of a purpose, more of a chip on their shoulder, more of an understanding with what was at stake than Michigan did from the beginning of the game. Um, And they flat out, I think they just flat out dominated this football game. And Stetson, I'll get it right this time. Sorry, guys. I think I've been saying it right, but Dagan and Rob were giving me a hard time about that. But I was very impressed with him. Um, Bryce, I thought that was a great toast. I thought he came out, answered the bell. And you want to talk about a guy who had a bunch of shh bunch of shit thrown at him basically for four weeks since that championship game everyone's talking about JT we did it I'll eat crow I'll give the kid his roses I did it um I think he came out and played phenomenal and uh ultimately I think it was just too much for Michigan they couldn't run the football I think that's kind of their heart and soul as an offense 
Uh, they tried to do it, couldn't do it. Like I said, I think Georgia just answered the bell. And uh, I think this is not to discredit Michigan, though. I think this is a great experience for them. Um, and I was listening to Aiden Hutchinson's postgame presser a little bit, and he mentioned that. He said, you know, we, we got us here. And I'm, I'm not a big believer in moral victories, but I think specifically for this program and Jim Harbaugh and all the mm-hmm. messaging that happened for, for him mm-hmm. throughout his tenure there, um, getting there is something that's good. And now it's up to them to stay there. And I think the leaders on that team really did a great job of setting the standard for the younger guys. Um, and I expect Michigan to be around um, for the next few years, at least to continue to be a, a, a big a big player within this, within this realm of college football playoff, big 10 championships. I think that they're going to be around. I think they really, they really did a great job of setting the standard and that, that goes to a lot of the older guys on that team. So I uh, want to give them a little bit of credit too, because it was a great year. It was a great run. Um, but they, like you said, they just ran into what I believe is the best football team in college football. So. Yeah, that, that, what, what Hack is saying, Bryce goes without, I mean, it just, you, you got to stop and honor it. Last year, Michigan, two and four. And everybody that was wearing maize and blue has got resumes and ideas, and they got a short list of who we need to get in here to get this thing done. They buckle down. They turned two wins last year into 11 this year. Big 10 champs, a Heisman candidate, a top three defense, and they're going into the college football playoffs representing the Big 10 as a two seed. What, like... That is a hell of a turnaround, but also it's the White Walkers, a team that from the kickoff when we watched them against Clemson haven't changed. And Hacks right, Alabama came in through some early haymakers, some late haymakers, and got them out of there in the championship game. But your biggest takeaway was Michigan's ascent up into this point or Georgia's continued dominance throughout the season. Man, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm probably going to talk out of two sides of my mouth here because I've always preached process. I love process, so I get what all you guys are saying about their ascent. The thing I don't like about it, the, just the mentality of, of even watching the O-linemen walk into the stadium with these aviators on and like – For which team? For Michigan. Michigan. For, for Michigan. It was, it was like watching – like, I don't know, two, two – I don't know – Five, five guys in high school that thought they were too big uh, and, and too cool to, to say hey to the freshman. Like, it was just such a weird mentality walking into that stadium that I felt like I would much rather, you know, have dip spit on their white, you know, jumpman uh, sweatsuits and, and, you know, uh, a 12-pack walking in there, like, just ready to get dirty. Um, and so I felt like they, they were just too cute. And then that, that really went into – uh, the, the entire game, they, they got absolutely dominated in the trenches to where, you know, again, talking out of two sides of my mouth here on the process, at some point, Harbaugh, because of it, it you know, leadership, it always trickles down from the, from, the, from the captain here. You have to be pissed off at some point to continue to be, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to say under, under delivering, <laughs> Because that's not what it is. Look, they, they did a really good job this year, but you're Michigan. You recruit the, nationally. You've already been to the Super Bowl before. Like, this should be nothing to you, and you should be pissed off. There was a play when uh, the corner for Georgia picked the ball off. It was, a, it was a, a 100% holding, should have been called. And Harbaugh's sitting there talking to the ref like he's talking to his wife. Just like, hey, what, what happened there? You know, and like Kirby Smart is sitting there dog cussing Stetson Bennett before the halftime because he wants to ball. Like there's just such a different mentality. And I'm totally fine with different coaching mentalities. That's that's. But at some point you have to have a little fire uh, to me, I think, as and I'm kind of calling out, a, a you know, a Hall of Fame coach here in Harbaugh. And so, so apologies here because, you know, yeah. go ahead and bring it at me. But at some point, get pissed off for your guys. At some point, get pissed off at the fact that you keep – uh, you, 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 you don't exceed expectations. Um, and so I, I agree with you, Hack. I, I don't always like moral victories. This is a moral victory because you did have a guy go to New York. You did get to the playoff. You did have a lot of momentum. But then, like, dude, you got there. So, so now let's go win. Like, it's not good enough yeah. to get there. And I just never felt a sense of urgency from that entire sideline, even when things were going good, when things were going bad, outside of the kickoff. Like the entire energy was just applied on that team. So I, 
I know I kind of went on a rant there, but I just I didn't like the way that Michigan, you know, approached that game, even from the walk in to, you know, the ups, ups and flows of the game. I just I just never felt like they cared to win. George, let me let me cut in here real quick. I, I do agree with you, Bryce, but I think I think when you sit there and you you look at the process, though, right? Like take take the competitive, take who you are, because I know who you are fairly well, and I think you know who I am very well, and we we have similar minds and process. Like our brains function the yeah. same way when we have those types of things. But I think taking all that out of it and just looking at it, I think they did exceed expectations this year. Um, I think that overall. Michigan needs to check this box as a great thing. They can be pissed off and they should be. And I agree with you there. I think there should have been a little bit more of fire, especially in the middle of that game. You know, you're down 14, nothing. And then there, there just wasn't a lot of like urgency and attack. Mm -hmm. And like you said, having that mentality, especially in the trenches, which was Michigan's bread and butter really for the last half of the year where they started getting all that momentum is they were just beating the shit out of people physically. And they were doing it in a conference that is traditionally known for being a very physical conference. Um, they, they just didn't have that. So I agree with you there that at the end of the day, the letdown was the fact that they didn't bring all of, everything that got them there. I don't think they brought that to the table. Um, but I think when you, to, to your point about being a process guy, I think when you look at the process of it, I think this was a big win for Michigan football moving forward. Now they have to now they have to continue to continue to prove it and continue to build off of it. But I think overall, from a process standpoint, it was a big win for 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 the boys in blue. And I have a hard time saying that because I, I personally have a lot of vendetta against Michigan. I'm not a big Michigan guy, but um, I think it was a big win for for that football program and that university. Um, Hack, we appreciate you you know, wrapping your arms around a rival like that, which you've done a, a lot this year. You, you've done a lot this year. I'll give you that. Trevor, um, last night I texted Coach Harbaugh. It's probably, let him, probably like an hour after the game, and I texted him something simple. Phase one, complete. Phase one of the mission, complete. And, and it goes to what Hack is saying. They're on their back last year, two and four. Michigan, like even just saying the name, it's the all-time winningest program in the country, two and four. This fights with Rutgers trying to get out of out of Jersey against Rutgers. All of a sudden, now they're in the college football playoff. Hack is right. They at least have the base down. They at least have like their foundation down. It's down now. And Bryce is also right. But you're Michigan. So – like the name is big, but inside we got a lot of work to do. To 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 Bryce's all other point, the getting pissed part on Harbaugh, Trevor. I felt like he was managing a mentality all season for his team. His two best players sit on opposite ends on defense, so they they have good guys on offense. They don't really have a warlord out there. There was no like. One pinnacle guy, the running back room's a committee, the quarterback room's a committee, the receivers, a bunch of like good guys, but they coached their ass off and got these guys there. But the lack of experience, and now watch this, the last two years, Michigan's biggest games last night, Ohio State and Ohio State, Georgia's playing in heavyweight matchups seemingly every weekend in the SEC Cincinnati last year in the college football playoff, BAM in the SEC championship, Michigan in this college football. They've been there. So the mentality of the, the, the glasses and getting too cute, I doubt we see that next year with Michigan if they can battle their way back. I, I doubt that they put all the spoilers and chains and all that. I bet they leave a lot of that stuff off and, and put the, uh, the, the chains on the tires and just get after it. And the last thing, Trevor, and it's going to you, mentality of coaches when when one of those two said it was like Harbaugh was talking to his wife with the refs Kirby Smart three different times on the sideline when they were wrapping the game up kept warning his guys I want no Gatorade bath this is not a celebratory deal this is a check the box game and the last part was when he got interviewed Kirby said yeah it's it's on to Bama and he looks at his watch and he goes they got a four or five hour head start on us right now like it was like he set in the course, but that's also a man and a general who's had his teams 
in this war time. And I think you got to get like a rhythm for that. Yes. Like, yes, you're a Super Bowl coach, but these kids haven't been there. And the program hadn't really been there in a long time. That's a long wind up for you, Trevor, a long setup. But is is mentality and experience uh, a heavy factor in what happened last night? Big time. You saw just from you just mentioned in Kirby Smart, you see a guy that has smelled that. They were just there in the national championship. Same matchup just a few years ago. He doesn't want to make any of the mistakes they have made before. And we those are for him personally, that locker room. But because the way that he went about this yesterday, you can tell it was just another on the road to the ultimate goal. Now the work starts, right? I mean, I know it's been a very long season, but now for the next several days, the work starts so that they can go out there and not walk off that field with disappointment like they felt back in 2017, I believe it was. It's mm-hmm. time to go to work. I love the mentality behind it, the experience of where they've been and being able to permeate that through the team is invaluable to those players. Those guys are going to be ready to go, and it will be a much different football game than the SEC title game. Um, speaking of title games, we, we just want to let you guys know again, national championship game coming up here in a week and some change. This crew will be at the Ellison Brewing Company in Indianapolis, January 9th and 10th. Come down, bring your questions, bring your signs, uh, bring your crew. We'll be down there. Come sit with us. Come sit with us. Uh, We're going to be going over. Roman Army, the White Walkers. Trevor Knight, uh, you got a quick word for us from our people at HelloFresh. Yep. We just want to thank our uh, sponsors over at HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit delivery service. Everyone knows that the holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh keeps keeps things simple with recipes that. Oh, yeah. It definitely does. HelloFresh keeps everything simple. It's easy. The food's incredible. There's no other choice than HelloFresh. Get your HelloFresh comes in the mail you got to do very little work very little cleanup and it's a huge meal ask these guys right here trevor hack bryce hello fresh is what it is usually they send three meals in the box uh i mean it's delicious fellas you guys back me on this yes yeah customize what you want <laughs> yeah. they're awesome awesome yeah. and uh so if you're not a you know if you're not a sous chef or a five-star chef you will be with HelloFresh. Get in there, get HelloFresh. Probably catch them at HelloFresh on all the social medias. Certainly <laughs> HelloFresh.com. HelloFresh. HelloFresh. So uh, <laughs> as Trevor is coming back, fellas, the number one team trending last night wasn't even playing. The whole world got up for today's Rose Bowl participant for Ohio State making a claim, we told you so, about Cincinnati and even someone to bark about Michigan who they got knocked out by. Cincinnati certainly earned it. Do we feel any different about how the committee arrives at putting the four best out there? Is it going to really go by committee? I mean, is it going to go by earned resume or is it going to go by best after watching what happened yesterday? How, how do you lean on that? I I just feel like this is such a such a tough issue to dissect. It's it's like that argument of who's the greatest athlete of all time. You're going to have people throw the Jim Thorpe, the Bo Jackson. The, you're going to have so many different people, and they're going to have so many different definitions of of what that is, right? So mm-hmm. when you're trying to dissect a football team, all of the variables that go into a football team there's 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 the the hard stuff, the tape watching it, seeing how they play, type of players they have. And then there's the intangible stuff, which is really hard to uh, put a put a measurement to, is the intangibles and the momentum and all those things that go into preparation and ultimately playing on Saturdays. Um, for me, it's such a hard conversation to have because having played the game, I, I tend to lean more towards the eye test, just watching and – who do I feel from a matchup standpoint, from a coaching staff standpoint, 
experience, who can bring the best product to the field? Because I think that's ultimately when you look at college football and the business of college football, that's what they want. They want the best products. They want these playoff, the, the semifinal games to be probably more competitive than they were last night. They want the national championship game to be competitive. It's going to bring viewers. It's going to bring money in. It, that's a whole nother conversation. I'm not going to go into that, but to me, the solution for this is, is try to eliminate that as much as possible and put it between the lines. And I've been saying this all year. I think that realistically speaking, probably the top eight teams in the country every year, thinking back, the top eight teams in the country every year probably have, if not all of those packages, but pieces of everything that I just mentioned to have an argument as to why they should be or have an opportunity to compete for the national championship. And then for the Cincinnati's of the world, and then like going back to when I was younger with the Boise State of the world, when they were on a tear, the last like, whether you do 10 or 12 teams, the last four spots should be filled with those guys. Let them freaking keep going at it because I think Cincinnati would match up pretty decently against a few of these other teams. Honestly, I think the Cincinnati Ohio State game would have been a great game mm -hmm. um, based upon what I've, what, what I watched with Ohio State throughout the year and what they've struggled with. So I think Ohio State 100% from a matchup standpoint, from a coaching staff standpoint, players that they have um, was probably one of the four best teams in the country. Now they had some losses and some key losses that they didn't, that they shouldn't have had, probably hurt them and came back and bite them in the ass ultimately when it came to making that decision from the committee standpoint. But like I said, that's why I want to kind of take it out of the committee's hands because it's so hard to even narrow it down. I think it's only going to get harder too with the transfer portal and the distribution of talent and kids wanting to play now. I think it's only going to get harder for these guys. Mm -hmm. So I think they need to really expand this whole thing because um, I, it's just, I think it's just so hard for those guys to really hammer it down to say, these are the four best teams, whether it's wins, whether it's losses, whether it's uh, the tape, whether it's the intangibles, I, like, I don't know what the hell, there's no blueprint for that. Everyone's going to have their own opinion. So I think the only way to answer that is line them up and let them go. Let, let them, let's see, let, let the, let the action between the white lines talk. Brace, before we go to you, Trevor, thank you for the assist with HelloFresh. Um, Trevor, when you watched yesterday, would Ohio State have been a better representation of the four best teams? You know, you're probably looking at Cincinnati. Or did we get it right? They were most deserved, should have been there, and we ride with however it plays out. And does that determine what happens to the next Cincinnati next year? Yeah, I think it, it played out the way it was supposed to this year. To Hack's point, you don't win the Big 12 title game. You know, that's another loss. It, you, you don't necessarily deserve to be in. Do I think they're one of the four best teams? Yes, I, I do agree with Hack there. They are, but – it goes back to our arguments that we had leading up to them making this final decision of what is the committee really doing to put these teams here? Um, of course, the way it played out, you can plug and play anybody in there. Oh, you know, Ohio State would have played Alabama a lot closer. They should have been in. You know, the Ohio State would have played uh, Georgia a lot better. They should have went in, even though, they, you know, what, whatever your argument might be, you can make those arguments now. Mm -hmm. But it played out, I think, the way it was supposed to. That being said, it's got to expand. It's, it's necessary. These guys have got to have more teams represented there so that there can be a Cinderella-type story. But if not, you've got more of the best teams represented to go and make a run at winning the whole enchilada. Bryce, speaking of that enchilada, will they, will they cook this thing the same next year, given how we played it out? Or... Or do you think on-field outcomes are going to bring in a little bit of uh, change or influence, certainly how they start to look at this, especially if they only keep it the four current team format? Yeah, I, I like the idea of expanding as well. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, to go back to your first part, I, th I think the four best teams were out there. I mean, this is – you can talk about Ohio State jumping Cincinnati, but Cincinnati beat a Houston team that beat Auburn. Right. So in, in the bowl game. And so, um, you know, at that time, it's it is the eye test, the hacks point. Um, Ohio State had, had their two losses and, and didn't get in. But for that same reason, I think that's why you expand. The other reason I like the expansion is because it gives guys something to play for. I'm, I'm kind of tired of yeah. seeing these guys, you know, jump ship yeah. on the bowl game. And, you know, you've got Aiden Hutchinson, who's probably the number one pick, you know, at, at least predicted. <laughs> 
he's playing in this game. That's what yeah. you want. You want to see the top talent on these top teams that, you know, have, have played the whole regular season to get to where they are, to where they can, you know, be a, a potential, first, you know, top 10 draft pick. You want to see those guys play. And so I, I like the idea of expanding um, to give those guys, you know, a reason to play in the, in the playoffs and go get a national championship instead of just saying, hey, I'm in the Chick-fil-A Bowl or I'm in the Cheez-It Bowl, so I'm not going to play. Um, I love that. Just a quick side note. If somebody out there has this answer, like, why do we call every bowl game winner the champion of that bowl if there's only two teams playing in the Twizzler Outback Bowl champions? Like, well, why aren't they just the victor? Like, <laughs> we'll come back around. Um, I always wondered about that. Like, damn, we got champions all around. Two, six, and six teams meet up in somebody's backyard. The winner is the champion. I digress. Hey, let's go uh, a couple quick things here. Uh, Ohio State, Utah, probably one of the more attractive games today. And then you're also talking about um, Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. Uh, The game, the matchup you're looking forward to the most. Uh, Trev, let's go with you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Ohio State-Utah matchup. You know, Utah obviously – uh, saw some success out there, you know, on the western side of the country. Although we rode off the Pac-12 from a from a very early point in the year, so it'll be interesting for them to go up against who all of us agree, I, I would imagine, is the next best team that didn't get in. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio State has an opportunity to assert their dominance, and even though it's not to go and play for the whole thing, they can come out and say, "Hey, I know we didn't get in this year." We had a couple hiccups, but we're still one of the best programs and best teams in college football. So I'm looking for Ohio State to come out and have not just a a dominant performance, but a completely dominant performance, winning by several touchdowns. It'll be fun to watch. Bryce, uh, do those two games intrigue you? I know your boys are also locking horns today. Uh, Baylor's got a big Mm -hmm. heavyweight bout. Let's say that you're excited about Baylor, a game outside of Baylor's game that uh, is going to draw your attention, whether you're riding through the links or you're on your. Track. Yeah, I, I, I uh, especially because Dagan's a fan, you'll never really hear me say that I want to watch Notre Dame football. But I think that this Marcus Freeman, I, I just really want to see how the guys respond to him. I mean, just from that video in the locker room, it, it, I, I would love to see these guys come out and just, you know, kind of play with their hair on fire for this guy and and ride into. Um, you know, next year, 2022, and, and hopefully a really long tenure for Marcus Freeman um, in an established, like, this is Notre Dame football, you know, because I think what we've seen in the past is they beat, you know, kind of, you know, daisies here and there, and then they go and play somebody and they get their ass kicked. So I, I'm, I'm actually excited to see how those guys are going to come out um, with, with everything that happened, um, you know, with, with Brian Kelly under a new uh, kind of regime and, and uh, take the field against the Cowboys. So. Um. Hack, are you, are you rolling there uh, with the Irish and Bryce? You got Notre Dame, Oklahoma so, State, Baylor, Mississippi State. It's like I just feel like that's Ole a Miss. game that – oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. Baylor and Ole Miss. I feel like that's a game that, like, Raider fans would love to watch. Or Ohio State, Utah. What, which one do you think is the, the central yeah. game today? Dude, it's the Penn State Arkansas game because it's going to oh, be a yeah, double header. It's going to be a double header. Whoever <laughs> wins today is whatever. Uh, Clint and I, we got a wrestling ring getting set up in that bar up there in Indy, and Clint oh, and I are going nice. at it too. Oh, so it's going to be a double hey. header. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. that wrestling banana, ring, banana get that sockum that sockum boppers <laughs> out. Weird. I don't know. If yeah, I'm yeah, like hey. dynamics, but that that. That um, wrestling ring, Matt, will be sponsored by HelloFresh at Ellison <laughs> Brewing Company in Indianapolis, January 9th and 10th, Hackenberg and Penn State versus uh, Clint and Arkansas, hammocks and all. Go ahead, Hack. Yeah, yeah, but um, no, in all seriousness, um, I am excited actually for the, for the Ohio State-Utah game, and namely because we're going to get to see some of these younger guys in that Ohio State uh, locker room and specifically their receiver room, some future stars, some future guys are going to make an impact who didn't have a ton of opportunities because of uh, Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson. Um, but I think uh, one of the deepest rooms in college football in terms of talent, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see some rising stars, some previews for next year. And I think 
uh, Trevor made some great points. This is this Ohio State team has a lot to be pissed off about this year. I, I think a lot of it they have to look in the mirror, but I think this is a great opportunity in the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. This ain't no um, Cheez-It Bowl. This is this is the Rose Bowl. Um, not that that's a and, bad bowl. Uh, I love cheese. Not that it's a bad bowl. I love cheese. Yeah. too, but this one ain't never going to change its name. There's not going to be another corporate <laughs> sponsor. It's the granddaddy of them all. And, uh, and, and, and I, I think, um, I think Ryan day is going to have a really focused team. And, uh, I expect Ohio state to come out and, and put on a show. I think it's going to be a precursor for, uh, for CJ Stroud and his Heisman campaign next year. I think there's going to be a lot of things that can happen and it's a great opportunity for, for the, for the Buckeyes. So uh, I'm excited to watch that one. Let's talk about that real quick. I'm curious to get you guys perspectives. Ohio state's two leading receivers, which also happen to be two top five potential picks in the draft. They're supposed to go one, two out of the, on the receiver board. They're opting out. You've seen that over, you know, over the years, we've seen it this season. Usually the teams, certainly like Alabama, who's won six championships in 13 years, their players don't opt out because they want to get that ring. Teams that are in the championship game, like look how many players LSU put in there a couple of years ago, uh, and you can go on down the line. If you're in the big one, they're in. All the other ones, they usually, it, it seems like 50-50. Aiden Hutchinson played I see both sides. I, I've, I've watched a lot of guys that, that we know on air. Some of them like beat the hell out of these kids for like stepping out of the game so they can go get ready for the draft or be healthy for the draft. We watched the linebacker a couple of years ago from Notre Dame, um, Jalen Smith, go up against Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, come down, nerve damage, tore everything. Uh, it affected his NFL career. I mean, that could happen at any point, but I think um, – I see both sides. McCaffrey was the real, like the first player I've ever seen do that. Just go to coach Shaw and say, I don't think I'm going to play in this game down. I think they're like El Paso or something. I'm going to sit this one out. Would it be smart for college football or for college football teams to implement a playoff or a bowl game bonus? Would that start to get us more buy-in? Hold on. Would that get us more buy-in on those um, the like games like today? Would Alave and Miller play if we had bowl game? Like you, you got all the sponsors showing up for this thing. Could could that help, Bryce? Would that help? I mean, I, I don't know if you're a top ten pick. Your signing bonus is twelve. So, <laughs> I mean, unless that player bonus is going to be double-digit millions, I don't think it matters. You know, you giving me a, a 72-inch TV, thanks. Uh, but that, you know, to, to the Jalen Smith, that's probably the best example you can possibly have. But, you know, to your point also, I mean, you hell, you could twist your ankle walking off the curb to go to the truck. I mean, uh, it's, it's really about the player mentality and, and you know, what's important to them. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you, George, even though I talked about expanding to get these guys to play, you know, I wasn't a top 10 pick. So I, you know, I wasn't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I'd, how I'd look at, you know, going up against the, the, you know, Utah football team, you know, in the Rose bowl, I think that's a nostalgic. I mean, there's a lot of history, a lot of tradition in that bowl game. That one might be different than, you know, again, just because we keep bringing up the cheese. So I, I think if it is a new year six, I, I would, I would probably stay personally um, and play that, play that to be a Rose Bowl champion to your point, uh, George. But I, I think if it's before that, then no, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on, uh, you know, the, the, the draft and, and that whole process going ahead and getting started there. But um, you know, I, I do like what you're talking about though. I, I think, of, of, you know, we had a player performance bonus, you know, in the league um, just to, to get plays. I think that's a, a, an exciting thing for, for guys to get, but does that mean, you know, do you tier it? Does everybody get a player performance check to, to play in it um is that only for the guys that are going to be a you know first or second round guy you know how do you how do you look at that so Trev Hack I know we got to go quick like we are we are coming down the back stretch bonus how else do you incentivize these guys to play or like what Bryce is saying like the the outcome that you're sitting out for is always going to dwarf whatever you could put up for these guys 
I think it's it's a personal thing, but but Bryce hit it on the head. Unless you're in that position, it's hard to make that decision. You know, me personally, the the way my mind works with just going through summer workouts, developing a culture, being with the guys, going through battle all year long. In my mind, it doesn't make sense to say, guys, hey, you know, appreciate all the work this year, but best of luck. I'm going to throw you guys to the wolves, you know, especially if you're a quarterback or, or any of these guys, because they're obviously a big piece of the puzzle to go out and get a win. That being said, you got to end up doing what's best for you and for your family and for your personal situation. And if you in your heart of heart can say, I'm not going to pad up for the last time in my college career, one of the best periods of life that I'll ever go through, because I think that I'm a first round pick and I don't want to, you know, risk getting a bad injury like Jalen Smith, then you got to support that for these kids. It is hard, though, to watch it happen because you're like, ah, here we go again, right? I mean, I don't even want to watch this game anymore because it's not even going to be ones versus ones. You're going to have these guys that are going to come in. And, yes, you get a precursor to the next year and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, it's way less appetizing of a game to watch. Mm -hmm. To Bryce's point, I don't think a tiny little – um, you know, bonus or something like that's going to get these guys over the hump when they're facing millions, you know, here in just a few months. So I don't know if there's a good, uh, a good way to get around it, but it, it's unfortunate that it's happening more and more. And now that you're seeing these guys in, enter the transfer portal when they're sophomores, juniors still playing, even though they're the starter, that adds a whole nother element to it. And that's a whole nother show. It's just, it's created just a difference in college football and specifically in the bowl season. Hack, we're going out with you. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a nice gesture in terms of the, the, the bonus to play. And I think certain bowl games could probably put a decent enough one out there to make someone jump and bite. But I think it's an impossible task. And to me, the only way to do it is, is to give those kids a chance to play for the whole enchilada as Trevor says. So you the only way you motivate him is by finishing the season, the true champion, George. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think, I think that's, I think that's it, man. I, I, I just think you're not going to be able to incentivize with money. It's, it's, that's a slippery slope. So like I said, expand it. It'll be better for everybody. You'll get more guys to buy in because it's that Charlie, Charlie Good Mike point. mentality, finish the mission, burn the ships. We're going to win the whole damn thing. So Good that's, point. that's my take on it. That expanding is a big deal and they've earned it. Yeah. You get to a point where you're widely like a consensus top five, top you've earned it. And then, yeah, what are we playing for? Are we trying to get our seventh win over here? In the in the Turkey Bowl, or are we lining up to go get a ring? They've earned it. Uh, regardless, regardless. Uh, on behalf of Trevor Knight, Christian Hackenberg, Bryce Petty, uh, field of twelve, wanted to say quarterback show, field of twelve college football show. We will be <laughs> in Ellison Brewing Company, Indianapolis, January 9th and tenth. Roman Army, the White Walkers, Alabama, Georgia. And plus, we have Clinton Hat getting down and Banana Hammocks, all sponsored by HelloFresh, <laughs> George Wilson. Sponsored by Manscaped. And Manscaped. Yeah, exactly. It'll make it look bigger. Happy New Year to you all. We'll see you here soon. George Whitfield, we're out.